Ma'ayong Adlao. Welcome to Season 3 of Philippine X in Wellness. I am your host, Cheryl Sampson Ramirez. In our last episode, we spoke with married athletes Dr. Gina Dapul Hidalgo and Raniel Hidalgo to learn more about triathlons and marathons. That indeed was another inspirational episode on physical wellness that went into the books. This month, we're launching into the third episode of our physical wellness trilogy and returning to dance as we talk with Jardi Santiago to explore house dancing and health. Before we begin, we'd like to mention that we uphold and honor this safe space to share. We ask everyone to pose comments and questions on our platform in a peaceful and respectful manner. Our pre-recorded episodes are accessible through our Philippine Ex and Wellness YouTube channel. The audio recordings are available via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All views discussed are for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to be medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare practitioner for your particular condition, especially before starting any exercise or new health program. For this episode, I'd like to introduce our guest speaker, Jardi Santiago. Welcome to the podcast, Jardi. Hey there, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're excited also this season to expand across regions and welcome you on as our first guest in the Sacramento area. So thank you for being here. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> now, we like to typically open our episodes with one of the first questions you're asked when someone finds out you're Filipino. Where is your family from in the Philippines and where are you currently streaming from in case that's different from where you're residing? Um, and now, Jordi, I, I've known you for years and know that you're originally not from the Sacramento area, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Mm -hmm. So uh, feel free to share with our community where you're also originally from. Uh, I'm originally from, if you want to go way back, uh, Quezon City in the Philippines. Um, but uh, shortly after, you know, like I was a kid, uh, my family moved to San Jose, California, where I spent most of my life. And pretty much I lived in San Jose all the way up until 2017. And around 2017, I decided that uh, I wanted to kind of see more. And uh, I ended up moving around from um, a little bit in Europe, uh, a little bit in Asia. Then when I came back, I came back to Arizona for a couple of years. And then uh, after being acclimated to the lifestyle in Arizona and seeing how it was in the rest of the world, I was happy to move to Sacramento. Whereas before that would have been a total no-go for me because you know I'm just like very Bay Area, you know? And uh, Sacramento and Bay Area are very different places. So uh, now I love it here, you know? I um, been here for two years and it's been great. Uh, so you're truly a global citizen. Um, where are, where's your mother's and your paternal side? Where are they from in the Philippines? Um, same thing for my, uh, my father's side is, uh, Quezon city as well. Uh, been there like forever. And then my mom, she was from the province. Um, she was uh, from Pangasinan. <laughs> Let's jump into the, our topic at hand, house. 
Um, house music and dance, it's very um, near and dear to me, have, having grown up literally in the club scene like you. So I'm personally excited to feature this topic on our podcast. Now, Jardy, tell us about your origin story, starting off with how you got into house music and dance. Was it on the radio for you, in a club somewhere? Where did it all begin for you? Oh, um, you, know, you know, okay, so... I actually started out as a b-boy when I was about 15, 14, 15 years old. Around the time, uh, b-boying was like everywhere. Like, I mean, like everybody, everybody was doing it like in my high school. Um, so I just felt like at the time I just wanted to be like, I just wanted to be cool. Like, you know, like, like dancers were, you know, cause I saw, I saw people that were performing like in talent shows and on TV, that was and I was immediately drawn to that. So b-boying was like my way into that. And actually, I have a little brother that uh, also uh, started b-boying with me. So we took, we, you know, we took that uh, that path together. Um, his name, a lot of people know him. His name is Natron, b-boy Natron from the Headhunters crew. A lot of people are surprised that we're actually brothers, but yeah, he's my little brother, and we started b-boying together and uh a year into b-boying i also got into hip-hop dance because that was also everywhere uh around the time i'm talking about like 1990s hip-hop dance um so i got into hip-hop dance and then because of uh, me studying hip-hop dance around like uh 99 2000 uh the crew that i was with at the time uh called soul sector uh the members uh, basically told me, uh, one of the members, uh, it was uh, Mikey Disco, he told me, you know what, there's, uh, there's another dance out there uh, called House Dance that uh, you, you know, I don't know if uh, he just kind of knew that I didn't know about it, but he told me about it. And I was like, that's interesting. How come I didn't know about that? And it's because, um, you know, at the time, I wasn't really digging for music. I was just kind of like, dancing to whatever was on you know because mm -hmm. a lot of the music back then was like danceable that was going on it wasn't until like the earlier 2000s that you know like music started changing for me where hip-hop wasn't like hip-hop to me anymore you know mm -hmm. uh, a lot of like southern hip-hop started getting in and then I just felt like I couldn't dance to that but mm -hmm. um, but because of the trend uh, like because of the same people that were doing the hip hop that I was doing in uh, in New York uh, were also doing house dance. And when I found that out, I'm all like, I gotta learn, you know, because um, they were doing it uh, at the same time. And how come I wasn't, you know? And I yeah. was kind of oblivious, oblivious to them actually doing the dances, as because a lot of the videos I've seen, they were dubbed, and then they were dubbed hip hop. So a lot of people were dancing like house house dance moves, but you're hearing hip-hop music, so I just kind of thought it was all hip-hop, you know? Mm -hmm. So once I found that out, I started doing more digging, I started finding more, and then um, uh, with the help of uh, my my crew, the, they kind of helped, helped me see what house dance is. So after that, I just, like, was hooked. Um, I pretty much ditched hip-hop, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, like, went straight into house, you know? And at that time, I was already long, long gone with the b-boying. I wasn't b-boying anymore. 
Um, but that's how I got into house dance personally, uh, through my crew, uh, also through my influences in New York and, um, and just kind of like being educated on like, you know, the music and, uh, also like seeing the dance moves once I was able to, once I was told that it was a dance, I was starting to see it like in certain places, uh, mm -hmm. even in the Bay area. Yeah. Now we're during that time, um, were you starting to, now that it's been introduced to you, did you also find places in the Bay area where they were playing house music and where you started to see the dance more prevalent? Yeah, actually, uh, once I, around the time people were like talking in forums, you know, so mm -hmm. I started, I started right away trying to find places to dance in. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I met this person, uh, this dancer named Bobby, uh, mm -hmm. a long time ago. And I have since long, I haven't, I haven't kept in touch with him at all. Like basically we met up a few times, uh, we met up in San Francisco, I believe it was Oakland or San Francisco. And he, uh, you know, like he was dancing and I was watching and, uh, we kept in touch during that time. We also were able to meet up at, uh, deep in, um, in LA and I saw him dance there and he was kind of like my introduction to seeing it in person. But, uh, I didn't at the time around that time, there was like no social media. It was very hard to keep in touch with people unless you know, like you were directly in contact with them through phone. And mm -hmm. I'm just one of those introverts that has a very hard time keeping in touch with people. So eventually we just like lost touch. I never saw him on social media. And um, I'm not even sure if he'd remember me today, you know, um, from from back then. So uh, that was how I saw it in person here in the Bay Area. And... Also, uh, Patrick Wilson. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, everybody knows amazing. A, a DJ now, but he is an amazing dancer. Uh, yeah, from, seen footage. Yeah, yeah. He, he's really dope. And uh, he, was, uh, he was doing house here as well. Um, so I didn't have very many people to like watch house from. And also my crewmates. Uh, two of my crewmates, uh, Mikey and Renje. They both mm -hmm. got into house a little bit before I did, you know, yeah. or like started getting really into it. So they, uh, they were dancing a lot together. So they were learning like a whole, you know, like they, they were like growing their house and, uh, but set, I, you know, I tagged along for the ride, you know? So I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, I want to do that too. You know? So that was it though. There was, there weren't very many house dancers, uh, the, what we would call house dancers like now, you know, there were a lot of people who danced to house music. Mm -hmm. House music uh, was around already and it was popular in the Bay. But in terms of like the house dancing that we know now that we see now, not many people are doing that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit more about music um, later, just because we know when it comes to dance, I mean, music and dance are like go hand in hand. It's like peanut butter and jelly. So, I'm yeah, curious, for sure, have, for sure. Right, you can't have one without the other. Yeah, yes. Um, on on that note, I feel like, I feel like the people who who dance for a long time do it for the music first, you know, rather mm -hmm. than the dance. Like, mm -hmm. uh, 
like I love music. Like music like moves me, you know? So just yeah. one of those things. Sure. Let's talk now about your teaching because you teach house dance currently, right? So um, when did you start teaching house dance and um, what, uh, we'll start first with that before we talk about, because right now you're doing it online uh, as an online platform. So when did you start teaching? Um, I started teaching house dance in 2002. Um, like 21 years ago. Wow. So what, but it was, um, it was like this. I was uh, living in Vegas at the time. I actually spent about a year living in Vegas, um, uh, between 2001 and 2002. And the reason for that is, uh, you know, 9-11 had just happened and Mm -hmm. I just felt like, I just felt like, you know what, uh, things are weird. (laughs) <laughs> right now I need a place yeah. where I could be a little bit more isolated and um so I moved to Vegas for a year and around around that time uh, you know there was not much to do in Vegas except practice for me and I decided like you know what I I kind of want to I I I want to teach I want to teach this so that um for me it keeps me accountable when I teach um so I started teaching at some random studio, ballet studio <laughs> and mm-hmm. only a couple of couple of people would come by for the short time I was teaching there. Mm-hmm. But uh, it gave me a taste of what it was like to teach a dance. And it's not easy. <laughs> it's not, it's not, teaching is not an easy thing, you know, especially if you're just kind of walking into it with like no experience. Yeah. And after that, uh, after my year in Vegas, I moved back to the Bay, and uh, Odie, um, Odie Kim, yeah, Odie <laughs> is also one of our well-known house dancers in the West Coast, California. Uh, he offered me uh, a teaching job at um, a studio called Dance Attack, and that's because he was teaching there at the time. And I'm—I don't remember the context whether he was like planning to leave and they needed a new house teacher. But uh, he he basically either gave me his spot or just gave me a spot at that studio. And that's when I, you know, started coming every week to teach both house and hip hop. I think I took a break from trying to teach house for a little bit and focus on my hip hop until I was more, you know, like comfortable with teaching house dance. Because mm-hmm. at the time, I was still a baby at the dance, you know. It was like a couple of years back then of doing the dance wasn't anything because you didn't have YouTube and you didn't really have anybody to teach you. So learning was a very slow process. Uh, like, for example, it took me like a whole year to like figure out the loose legs. Like, I can teach it in five minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's a big contrast. So... um that's when I started teaching around uh, 2002, um, house and hip hop. Like, and since then I've done it consistently for over 20 years and it's kind of become my thing, you know? Like a lot of people become battlers, a lot of people um, become industry dancers, a lot of people get into choreography, but for me, like I love teaching. Like, that was, like, the thing that um, I really wanted to do, you know, which was uh, 
at the time kind of like I guess like not common, you know, uh, mm -hmm. when it came to like street dancers. Yeah. Now, a lot of your popularity with um, your teaching actually blew up more when you transitioned to an online platform, right? So oh, yeah, yeah. You started off teaching in a, ball a ballet studio when you were living in Vegas. When did you start to offer online classes? Um, I started teaching online in 2009. Uh, okay. Actually, October 2009, from what, what I remember. And actually, the the way that came about is that I wasn't even trying to teach online. <laughs> what it was, was by 2009, I have already been dancing house for about eight years. And I was, um, I was kind of, I was getting tired of teaching the same moves every week in the studio because um, people were still learning the foundation mm -hmm. and um, California as a whole still didn't really know how stance yet. So every week I would come in and teach like the same basic moves. And I was like, you know what? I want my students to take a proactive approach and learn these moves by themselves so that I can come here and teach better stuff like, you know, or more things rather than these just basic movements that I do every week. So what I did was for my students at the time, I had some regular students at the studio in City Dance in San Francisco. I made basically these uh, 15 or so videos of basics. And I told them like, here, you know, I'm going to send these basics to you, practice them at home. And then when you come to the studio, you're going to be ready for, you know, like more complicated material, right? And uh, a lot of them gave me feedback and they said like, hey, you should totally release these. Like, they're so useful. And at the time I was like, I don't know, you know, because <laughs> I was like this young guy and I didn't want to like offend my teachers, you know, and my teachers are all the, um, you know, like um, all these New York dancers um, that were like probably like 10 years my senior, you know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. so I felt like, you know what, uh, that's their job <laughs> to be putting out, to be putting these out, uh, for the people to see, you know, like they should be seeing them. And at the time, you know, they had like demonstrations, but nobody had put out like actual like tutorials where it shows you how to do them, you know? Um, so after some convincing, I decided like, okay, fine. You know, like, uh, this is scary, but I will. I'll try it. I, I'll, so I started kind of like releasing them slowly, like three videos at a time, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think every week I put a, put out three videos or something and I didn't even advertise it. I just put it on my YouTube and mm -hmm. around that time, I guess people were looking for exactly what I was putting out. So the first month after not even letting anybody know that I had been putting uh, uploading these videos, I had 300 new subscribers on my YouTube. Oh, wow. And that's after telling nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I had said nothing at all. And I was like, who's finding these, you know? Um, and after that, I basically was getting more and more every month. 
like it steadily stayed around 300, 400, 500 subscribers for like years after that. So, um, yeah. So after a year, I probably uh, like I had like, what's that? Probably 4,000 subscribers that I didn't ask for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, wow. Yeah. And it just grew from there. It's currently at like, um, I saw my numbers yesterday um, and it was like 92,000. 98,000 now or something like that 98,200 or something like that so or I know 98,000 subscribers so that's yeah. crazy and that's and you know some people have to have a formula to get people to subscribe but it just shows that the desire to learn these base this basic foundation of house dance is there and people you were able to launch at a t time when people were hungry for it yeah, uh, totally, totally. Like Timing's it, it everything. Was, it, it was totally timing for me. Yeah. Um, like, I like to look at it as like, you know what? That was probably a lot of luck right there, you know? Like, I do, I am very passionate about the dance, but, you know, for for it to happen at that exact time, like, I think it, it had to do with a lot of luck too, you know? For sure. So... You know, there are probably people listening in our community that are wanting to explore house dance um, themselves um, and may not be able to access you directly in Sacramento. So could you tell us a bit about your curricula and how you how you walk people through your classes online? How do you personally structure them? You can talk about it both in person sure. and online if you'd like. Okay. Uh, I yeah. think very different uh, in person versus online. Yeah. Uh, okay. In person, in person, I like to keep everybody moving. So, uh, what's that? I I I want to make it fun in person. Mm -hmm. And usually, how I start in person is I start out with my warm up, and I have like I've been doing the same warm up for like over thirteen years. I created a warm up video, I think, like in two thousand ten or two thousand eleven, and mm -hmm. I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I've been doing that same warm up. It's just it works. That's why it's like why fix it, right? Yeah. Um, so I start out with a warm up, and then I um, I teach uh, basic movements and combinations for like the first thirty minutes, and I like to end my uh, I like to end my class with like choreography, and I just basically like to go through it all. I don't like to do all all choreo <laughs> all choreography, and I don't like to do just all basic movements either. You know. Mm -hmm. But you might notice that something's missing in there and it's the freestyle aspect. Like I started out as a freestyler um, and um, you know, that's very important in house dance. That's like essential because house dance is a very free movement, right? Yeah. Now in my online course, that's what I teach. I teach how to freestyle. Um, uh, and I teach how to freestyle from day one, from day one of the course, you find out how you freestyle this dance. And I do that by using transitions. Now, that's something that um, a lot of teachers don't go over. A lot of teachers go over like basic foundation moves, but they don't really talk about the transitions and how to get in between the moves, you know? Like how to transition from one move to another. Um, Around the time when I was trying to come up with this way of teaching, I was watching a lot of videos and trying to see like the similarities between dancers. And uh, 
even though instinctively I knew these similarities, I needed to be able to express them and put them into words and be able to show people like exactly how house dance goes, like the way I do it and the way my mentors do it, you know? So I started seeing all these like similar movements, like, oh, they just did that little, little one count movement right there to get from that move to that move. And I started noticing like how often they were used. Like there were some moves that were just like used all the time that kind of went over people's heads, you know? Like people would learn them through like, you know, how, you know, like osmosis, but they didn't really explain it when it came time to like teaching another person. So those were the things like I took and I said like, all right, these are the transitions that are very commonly used in house and very rarely taught. And in 2014, I started uh, my online class where people actually paid a monthly subscription to like learn how to freestyle and learn, you know, like house dance from me. So in 2014, with the help of one of my students, his name is Aaron, he said, like, make it as easy as possible to learn how to dance uh, because he was helping me create a business. He, you know, he was actually my business mentor at the time. And he was a student of mine. He was a student first. But he was so grateful for house dance that, and the way I taught him that he wanted to help me back, you know, uh, because house dance kind of like, you know, saved him from a few dark moments back then. But um, he was my, my uh, business mentor at the time. And he just told me, make it as easy as possible for people to learn. And I got to work. Like it took me six months to like figure out this whole transition thing and put it down on paper. And then I started shooting and I came up with a like 23 video series uh, that was just two hours long. But each video was like focused on a transition that you could learn so that you can start basically learning how to house dance like within a week. So I was getting students that were learning how to house dance like in a week. Like, of course, you know, it was like rough, but they were, you know, like, you know, they were still learning how to either dance or move or get things clean. But they like, they knew the vocabulary within like, you know, even a day of watching this video, you know? And for those who practice really hard or those who had like house movement, but like very little foundation, they were able to get the foundation to like, look like a legit house dancer, like very fast, you know? So, um, so yeah. So in 2014 was my online class, 2018 with the help of my partner, Mylin, she helped me, uh, turn it into a course. Now it, and now it feels more like a, you know, like a course, it feels more like college and stuff like that for people who want to keep learning because back then it was a two hour video or two hour series of video. Now it's been expanded to a year. So if you want to keep going and you want to keep learning, you want to stay accountable, turn in homework and stuff like that, you can, you know, you can take the course and, you know, learn, uh, many different elements within house dance through a year. Wow. I mean, it sounds like you pretty much studied it like a science and have broken it down accordingly, scientifically, when you describe it. Yeah. And I think it's also pretty incredible that you're able to teach freestyle because I think 
usually from what I've seen, freestyle is the expression of the in- individual. Yeah. And um, it's it's interesting that you've been able to teach foundation while at the same time harness people's individual expression within the process. Yeah. Uh, within my course, I do encourage people to find their way, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there are going to be some people out there that literally just want to learn what I do. Like, yeah. you know, like they want to be, I want to be like Jardy. <laughs> yeah. There are people like that. And there are people that, uh, um, and then there are also people that uh, want to find their own way completely, you know. And those, those, uh, those kind of dancers, I would recommend my course to those kind of dancers because like, you know, you have your artistic vision. You should go with that. You should find your way, you know, because mm-hmm. the way my course is, it teaches you, uh, it teaches you how to dance a certain way. It teaches you the way I learned how to dance from my New York mentors. Um, right. So if you want to learn how to dance like them and dance like me, take this course. If you want to learn how to dance like nobody else, then probably this course isn't for you, you know, or you, you could probably take it and learn a few moves to like add to your repertoire and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. overall, overall, I do a lot of handholding, you know, um, mm-hmm. be- and those are the people like I cater to because not everybody wants to be super free and not know which direction they're going. You know, uh, some people want to be given something very specific, like I want to learn how to dance like this. Right. Kind of like a lot of ballroom dances, you know, a lot of ballroom dances, they teach you how to dance a very specific way, you know? Right. Like salsa, it's very specific. There's very specific steps uh, that you have to learn together. Otherwise, like, you know, you're not going to know how to, like, coordinate if you don't even know what's coming up next, right? For so, sure. Yeah. So I I teach in a way that, you know, um, you have, like, kind of like a palette of very specific movements. Now, the way that you do those movements is really up to you, but the moves and movements are there for you to use, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. This career of teaching houses brought you into leading workshops and classes in other countries. You mentioned earlier that you were able to live in Europe, in Asia, in other states within the U.S. Are there some memorable moments or countries that you've taught in that have made a powerful impact on you? And if so, where and tell us about that. You know what? Um, yeah, actually, uh, it was, I think my me- most memorable moment with, uh, with dance, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot, but this is the one that came up to me right now because I didn't rehearse this at all, is, um, is uh, teaching in... Um, in Kathmandu, in Nepal. And um, Nepal at the time was not even a place that was on my radar whatsoever, right? Um, Around the time my partner and I were deciding, uh, we were living in the Philippines for a little bit, uh, Mylin and I. Mm -hmm. And around that time, we were still learning a lot about each uh, each other. So we were fighting a lot, (laughs) you know what I mean? So we were fighting, fighting a lot, and uh, we decided, you know what, maybe we should take separate trips out somewhere so we could recompose and figure ourselves out. And I was like, now where the heck would I 
where would I go? We just came back from Japan, which is like my favorite place to visit. And we just came back from uh, like uh, Belgium as well. We, we stayed in Belgium for like a month, um, figuring out whether we wanted to stay in Belgium, you know? So after Belgium and Japan, I was like, I already went to Europe. I already went to um, another uh, like Eastern, East Asian country. So what now? You know, so um, she actually said, why don't you go to Nepal? And I was like, Nepal? And I was like, yeah, maybe a spiritual journey <laughs> might be like what I need right now. So I didn't know anybody in Nepal at all. Um, so I asked for the help of people who, dancers who recently went there. And uh, some of the local dancers uh, uh, went uh, like that through all the way live. Um, what's that? Some yeah. of the dancers that were with them, I think it was probably uh, Laura Kirkaby that helped me out with this one. I, I think she was that trip actually. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Shout out to Surgeon Freya, Cody, and Amy, yeah. Isaac, yeah, all the way live for sure. Yeah, they since you know since they were there, I, I was able to, to be introduced to uh, my now friend Depeche. Mm-hmm. So oh, the best. yeah, Depeche is awesome. So I didn't know Depeche at all, and he didn't know me at all either. Yeah. <laughs> so I came in there like we were like, "Hey, what's up? Are you gonna help me?" <laughs> you know what I mean? And the thing is, I needed more help than you can imagine because I needed to get from Kathmandu to uh, I believe it was Pokhara, mm-hmm. and it was eight hours, an eight-hour bus drive away in a country that I didn't know how to speak the language, where right. many people did not speak English, you know? Mm-hmm. So he basically, uh, he housed me for a couple of days at his place, Depeche did. And, um, you know, I told him like, you know, like I'll, I'll teach a workshop for you in exchange for it, for this help. Right. And he's like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. He got me on a bus. Uh, he dropped me off, got me on a bus. And then that bus took me to wherever I needed to go, like eight hours away. And from there, was uh, I stayed for like a couple of nights until I started my trek. Like I took a six day trek by myself with, uh, you know, uh, with no guide. And I just kind of like wanted to do it myself. Like it was tough as hell. <laughs> like, I had like 30 pounds of stuff on my back the whole time. And I was walking for like miles every day in like, you know, the, the hills going up and down, going up a thousand steps going through like all this nature and it was like it was amazing you know and it was kind of like one of those things that really can bring a tear to your eye you know like Mm -hmm. like some of the nights it's like wow this is just like I'm out here by myself out in like you know like nature and it was just amazing you know and then and then when I came back um um I came back and just coincidentally two of uh, my now friends too, uh, Depeche's uh, friends at the time. Uh, well, they're all still friends. Sonu and Janisha. Yeah, great. They, were, they just happened to be at a at a comp- dance competition in uh, Pokhara. You know, I'm not even say I'm sure if I'm saying that right anymore. I haven't Pokhara, seen. Pokhara, yeah. Yeah, is it Pokhara? Okay, okay. So I have, yeah. yeah, I haven't. I haven't even looked at the words in a long time. Uh, but. They just happened to be there for a dance competition and they took the bus ride with me back. And it was, uh, 
everything just kind of aligned, you know? It was just so nuts. So um, after that, I taught a workshop, and, you know, like, people in Nepal, they're, they're just, like, amazing. Um, what's that? It, it was just, it was, like, one of the greatest trips, like, just so epic, you know? And I got yeah. to see, like, the, the, uh, the Annapurna Mountains and stuff like that. It was mm -hmm. just, like, I, I woke up at, like, 5 a.m., walked out walked up these steps it's called like um uh oh man i forgot i forgot the name of the mountain but it's it's pretty funny like it's uh yeah it's kind of like sexual sounding that's <laughs> not yeah the mountain that i i, I what's that the or the hill that um that that i climbed to to see like the sunrise with the Annapurna mm -hmm. mountains in the background it was just amazing yeah so yeah nepal it's a, it's a beautiful yeah. country with beautiful people i mm -hmm. mean i yeah. hope that you know like our listeners are you know people that are viewing get to go there someday yeah and i came i came back another time actually you know um i came back another time and yeah it was just as amazing but i didn't do the trek this time this time uh depeche uh flew me in uh to to judge a competition and nice. yeah it was so awesome yeah i think we're at a good point in our break jardy so it's it's uh been a great first half talking with you and we're barely touching the surface about house dancing and health uh we're at yeah. the first half of our segment so oh thank gosh. you all for joining us for our first for our fifth episode of season three we're talking with jardy santiago feel free to take a quick stretch refill your water or tea We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to Philippine Exton Wellness. 
You were just listening to the first part of Jojo Flores' edit of Bodhisattva's The Depth to the Source featuring Yuba off of Bodhisattva's 2008 EP, Ode to Ancestral Healing, through the label Offering Records. For those of you new to Jojo Flores, he's a Filipino-Canadian tireless ambassador of soulful dance music to every corner of the world, a master DJ known as House Music's Mixtape King, CEO of Got Soul Records, current music director for Four Seasons Hotel Mo Montreal, Bar Nakaha, if I pronounce that right or wrong, my apologies, and Bar George. He is a restaur restaurateur and co-owner of Junior Restaurant and Café Got Soul with his brother, Toddy Flores, all based in Montreal, Quebec. You can help support Jojo Flores by following him on Instagram at DJ Jojo Flores. You can find his music and mixes on most streaming platforms, including Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Shout out to our Philippine ex and Filipino DJs out there laying down the tracks. And I'm going to actually start with music, Shardy. So since I we just sure. ended with uh, Jojo Flores' uh, rendition of Bodhisattva's track, I'm sure that there are some listeners or viewers out there that are curious to know where do they, can they source like good house music? Where do you find the house music for your classes and what's your, what's your way of digging, I guess? Okay. <clears throat> Here, here's my uh, journey with the whole looking for music thing. So um, around like the early 2000s, I was really into collecting music and uh, I had a ton of hip hop tracks because at the time uh, music was um, starting to become available online. Uh, I mean, you were stealing it <laughs> pretty much, but uh, you were able to find like these like rare tracks that um, you would other otherwise have to like really dig around for uh, in person. So I had like this vast music collection, uh, hip hop music collection at the time. And, uh, and um, basically the hard drive that it was all on crashed. <laughs> There's always a technical uh, nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And I lost all that music. And Ever since then, I have not had the same motivation to look for music like the way I did back then. So now I just kind of rely on, of course, like um, probably a lot of people do this. I just rely on like YouTube or Spotify to basically throw music at me, like SoundCloud and, th and things like that. And the way I search for music nowadays is I will just go on YouTube or SoundCloud, and I'll just put like um, soulful music mixed, <laughs> and <laughs> what the first thing that sounds like it's my style, like oh I like this, I'm feeling this, I'll listen to the home mix, and then I won't even know what I just listened to. I just would know that I was feeling it, you know, and. <clears throat> That's how I do most of my videos too. My videos on Instagram, I pretty much just cho I choose a song. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily a song I've listened to forever, 
it's just a song that I'm like, I'm feeling this right now. I'm going to dance to this right now, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the things I would search for, uh, like uh, soulful music uh, mixes and stuff like that. Uh, lately, I've been listening to uh, what they would call like what they call now like lo-fi, lo-fi uh -huh. house, which is mm -hmm. very much like elevator music, you know. <laughs> but for some reason, like that's that's I like that, <laughs> you know. Like um, I've been listening to and dancing to a lot of lo-fi house lately, and it's kind of become my thing that people have you know known me for for the past like uh, year, I believe. Um, but before that, I used to dance to a lot of songs with, uh, you know, like uh, a lot of vocals and things like that. Things that I found, things that I danced to before when I first started, uh, like a similar style to what I was dancing to before when I was like learning how to dance house is what I um, would usually look for, you know. Um, and also, okay, but in terms of artists, uh there aren't that many that come to mind because I'm very bad with artist names, <laughs> but uh, Black Coffee like never disappoints. So South I look, yeah, yes. I look for Black Coffee mixes by name. Like I just like Black Coffee mixed something like that. It's yes, always awesome to hear him. Uh, what's that? Uh, I like a lot of uh, songs from like Carrie Chandler. Uh, mm. Yeah, another great um, one. Yeah, mm -hmm. and what says some? And often I'll go to uh, Defected's uh, page on Instagram and see what they they have uh, they've been sharing from artists and stuff like that. So it really is uh, just kind of like being in the know of where to find it, you know. Uh, so like Defected Records or something, you could go on their Instagram and they have a whole bunch of like they share a whole bunch of. Uh, house music that you could just like listen to and be like that one I like that one you know and, mm -hmm. yeah <clears throat> Shazam also Shazam is your friend so um, that's pretty much how I like find music it's just bumping into it you know yeah yeah I mean because the house category is is wide in itself house music I mean and even house music right it's placed also into and I know this could be debatable, but it's also placed in the genre of electronic music. So you're saying in particular for your lessons or your classes, you tend to go into um, soulful house, house with vocals, or like what you mentioned, lo-fi house. But there's also some house that's very tech-like like tech -like or, um, you know, less uh, vocals and depending mm -hmm. on the region too right like even like detroit house can be really different from mm -hmm. south africa or oh, yeah. new york right so Scary. so in terms of dancing that's your preference right but but also would you say that like the type of dance that you teach could, could it translate to different styles of house or uh yes actually um because, that, yeah yeah because i have been pretty much obsessed with house dance for, for, you know, like the past 20 years, I have learned, um, other ways that, uh, people have danced house dance to different types of music. So for example, in the early two thousands, uh, jacking 
the jacking style came to be like more of a popular thing because before that it was really all about the salsa-ish movements and footwork that were very smooth and then uh and then out of nowhere uh you know dancers like which way shaw and tony mcgregor started bringing out this hard jacking movement that was like totally different from the smooth finesse type of movements that i i was used to <laughs> so uh, at that time, that type of movement translated to more like tech house and hard, harder house. Right. So around that time, I was listening to a really hard house and learning how to do that movement. And that movement has stuck with me ever since. I'll bring it out once in a while, depending on what music I'm listening to. And also um, before that, around 2006, 2007, not before that, around <laughs> like... Around the time that I was learning um, <clears throat> uh, about the jacking style, I was dancing uh, with a, what you would call a, um, you know, uh, like this word, um, you know, some people don't use this word and some people do. Uh, and I'm talking about the word lofting. So yeah. lofting is, uh, I would, I would just say that it's the smoother, uh, it's, where house came the house movement came from mm. and it it is basically a smoother movement uh and definitely a, a smoother movement than just doing the footwork of house dance you know so um there was a person named abdul uh and he was from philly and i was introduced to him from cricket who is one of my mentors uh, even till today, cricket educates me on so much stuff, even till today, <laughs> but Abdul, um, in kind of like the mid two thousands, I was dancing a lot with him at the local clubs in Oakland. So we were going to like Lucas lounge every, every week. And basically he was the person that I learned my house movement from, uh, in person. Because I, I, I watched a lot of people through videos, but in person, he was like my main influence. So my main influence in terms of a house dance was this lofter, basically, <laughs> or this person who did like these movements that were on the smoother side and not really about the fast footwork. Mm. Um, so I have that experience of dancing to like, you know, um, because the music that he would share with me is all this soulful, really smooth stuff that's compatible with that dance. And then mm -hmm. I was also learning a lot of like hard, uh, hard jacking and, um, and, um, choppy movements from these other dancers in New York and listening to a lot of, uh, harder house tech house and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, um, for me, uh, for me, I could translate different types of music to uh, or translate my movement to a whole different uh you know like pretty much every house genre i even dance to trap music occasionally because um my hip-hop you know me coming from hip-hop i like still love dancing to hip-hop and trap is kind of like you know <laughs> house tempo and yeah hip-hop like you know hip-hop lyrics and stuff like that and i think it Dancing the trap is very enjoyable for me, you know? 
Yeah. You're talking about lofting, but I'm not sure that our community really knows the definition of lofting. So I actually am maybe now confused. I thought that lofting had to do with floor work, but not necessarily. Is is there more to it? Oh, Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of defining lofting? Yeah. You know, okay, so lofting is, um, is a word that not everybody uses because not everybody comes from the loft. <laughs> you know, the loft is a, a, a club in New York. And um, what's that? Lofting, um, there are dancers that uh, would rather have lofting be just defined as just plain freestyle. Okay. Like, I'm not defined as freestyle, be called freestyle. Like, okay. Like, instead of calling it lofting, Mm-hmm. There are people that would rather call it freestyle. The people probably like that aren't from the loft. But yeah, um, the thing is, like uh, for me, um, I like to educate myself on the history, but I don't like to talk a lot about the history because um, I'm not the history. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, maybe someday I will be, but uh, right now, there the people who are who made the history who. Um, who were there, they're still alive. And I feel like they should be really the ones talking about these things because like, you know, they were the ones that created it. They were the ones that evolved it. And I was just along for the ride and, you know, learn from them, you know? Um, but, uh, or they're uh, the people that, or their students, you know, they're like either I learned from them or their students. Right. But um, in terms of that, um, if I were to call it lofting right now, right, just yeah. just for just to keep things like clean right now, I, I, yeah, I would I look at it more as a way of moving rather than like you go onto the floor because anybody can get down on the floor. Like if a person starts b-boying during their house dance round or something like that, you would not just automatically call, call that like lofting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very specific way of moving. So, um, mm-hmm. and it's usually defined by like, uh, like it's kind of like you're going uh, going through molasses or something like that. You know, going something th- very thick. Like that's when you get like really smooth with it. You know, and yeah. Not everybody goes that goes down on the floor gets down like that. Not everybody yeah. like melts. You know, right. So melting. Uh, I define like that that certain way of moving. I I, I characterize it by like melting, uh, circular movements that flow like a lot of flow. Like basically, mm-hmm. once you go in and start dancing, you flow until the very end. You know, like no hard stops or anything like that. Yeah. Um. So that to me is what I would define would call like loft- that's lofting. Yeah, that's what I, th- that's what I learned as lofting like mm-hmm. growing up in this dance and mm-hmm. not just like getting down on the floor you know right like yeah like um I, no, I believe yeah. that you can pull out that style without even touching the floor you know mm-hmm. yeah so the the <clears throat> most uh, easily like the, the the most famous person that uh that everybody looks at that mm-hmm. uh has that movement would be like Ejo. So mm-hmm. you look at the way Ejo moves, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you that are into like digging and knowing history, Ejo Wilson from New York. Now let's talk about the importance of physical wellness and it's a place within our like in in our community. 
So uh, how do you personally see house dance as an important part of not only caring for your own health, but a physical activity that folks in our diaspora um, can get into, I, I know, and can adopt. Um, I know earlier you mentioned that one of your students that was helping you to build your business, your online business, also used health to as a way to get get through you mentioned like his dark moments so let's take the opportunity to talk about the health benefits of engaging in health dance as maybe a form of physical and as you mentioned mental wellness oh definitely well i think uh it's pretty much universal to know that exercise uh, helps with both physical and mental health. Um, for me, whenever I teach a class, I can't, I come out of class just glowing <laughs> and now I'm just like, uh, I just feel like, you know, like on top of the world after class, you know, um, I'm sure not all teachers feel that way. Some probably feel drained or something like that, uh, mentally. But for me, I feel like really fulfilled mentally and physically. Like, I just feel great, you know? Um, I just feel like I, like, kind of, like, uh, just did my purpose there, you know? Um, but speaking back on my student, like, uh, he he took my he took my house dance class for years, and uh, not only did it help him get out of his dark spot, he met his wife in there, too. <laughs> So now he's like married with kids. He's got, you know, like, um, I don't, I don't see him house dancing as much or like at all, pretty much. I know he still knows how to do it. Um, but you know, I'm sure it'll always be there because he helped me, you know, with my journey, uh, into creating a business from house. Like he really, he really pushed me. Um, and I actually, pushed it away at one point like I was like no you know what I'm I don't want to turn this into a business I love it too much he actually was like but you this is pretty much what you were created for <laughs> now it took me he actually convinced me and I'm very very grateful for him because uh if it wasn't for him I wouldn't be doing this now you know because um this would this would just end up as uh still a hobby but now this is like what I do and I'm able to you know give people like the best of me because of, uh, because of him, you know, but, um, physical wise, I have learned a lot throughout the years with about my body through just staying physical with house dance. Now for the first like 30, like I just turned 45 two days ago. <laughs> So July 23rd, Leo, I'm a, I'm a Leo and that was my birthday. And for a long time, all the way up until my mid thirties, I actually felt like my body was invincible. Like I had very little issues for my body. I was just very lucky. Cause I know dancers, once they even reach like 30, they're like, oh my God, you start to feel it. And I'm like, really? Like, and I'm doing a dance that where you're jumping around is like, it's not easy, you know? So around, not even 35, I'd say around like 37, uh, when was when like my body, 
uh, started to feel a little bit different. Even though I was like consistent, I would, um, you know, like I would get the kind of like these nagging pains. Like um, I'm not sure if uh, everybody knows about uh, plantar fasciitis, but that is the pain on the bottom of your foot that lo runs along the bottom of your foot, mainly in the heel or in the, you know, like the arch. But I started getting that about like 2016. And every day I would wake up, I'd get out of bed and be like, ow, that hurts to walk around. And it just like would hurt to, <laughs> to just even get around until like your body like kind of gets used to the pain or it goes away after a while. But every day it would be like a new pain, you know what I mean? Like with, with that, with that. Um, and because of that, I got into really studying like all the things that could go wrong with your body if you're not preparing it for this activity. Because before that, I thought like, you know, like if you just keep doing it, you got it. You know what I mean? But now I'm more conscious like at 45 about like doing the right things for my body so that I can keep doing this for another like 15, 20 years. You know, that's something like I take really seriously. Like longevity is a very serious thing for me because I like I really love this dance. I really love teaching and uh, I want to be able to do this for as long as I could, you know. So um, not only so that has brought me into a few things like um, nutrition, uh, like uh resistance training stretching uh even meditating and all those things have helped me stay in this you know like a lot of people they say stuff like oh yeah i'm getting too old for that like i don't feel too old you know i i just keep up i just keep up with uh what with uh the demands of my body tell us more about the, the resistance training so I do know, Jardy, that um, I have some friends of mine that are also dancers. And we actually interviewed, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Ace and Bea. They were um, break dancers on our break dancing and wellness episode. Mm -hmm. But one of the oh, things yeah. that we... Yeah. 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 <laughs> do. I... <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So one of the things that we talked about was also doing dance in the long run, right? And you mentioned... I, resistance training, um, stretching. So, and we'll cover the other things that you mentioned. So, tell us more about what type of resistance training do you do you practice um, that you find is helpful to make sure that your career, you know, is a, a long term thing. Yeah. So when I first, um, I I used to be a heavy lifter back in the mm -hmm. day. I know I don't look at like it now, but uh, I was <laughs> like about 15 years ago. Um, and around that time I gained like, you know, an extra 10 pounds of muscle on my body or a lean mass. I'm not necessarily going to say like muscle, but lean mass. And it made me very heavy and stiff. And I just, you know, I liked the way I looked, but I didn't like the way I danced. I, I just like looked like this big hulking guy, right? And um, after that, you know, like my motivation 
for um, like I want to stay fit all the time, but my motivation to go hardcore with it is not always there. So once I uh, kind of like stopped being hardcore about heavy lifting, I like, you know, like went back to my regular weight and I decided, okay, heavy lifting is not what I want to keep doing. I don't want to lift too heavy. I don't want to gain too much, uh, too much lean mass. So nowadays I'm more into like body weight exercises and, um, being able to like, um, you know, do pull-ups, do dips, um, do like, um, what else is there? Like I have a Roman chair where you could work on like back extensions to work out your back. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like to work with like kettlebells, a uh, mm -hmm. lot of people. A lot of people uh, like to work with kettlebells these days because uh, they're convenient and um, yeah, and you also get to work on movement, not just like lifting, but mm -hmm. um, being able to like uh, throw weight around. Um, yeah. So these days, that's what I like to do. Recently, I've been really into working out the muscles of my legs. And I think this is like a recent trend that started with... Uh, uh, sure, a lot of people know, but the, the knees over toes guy, there's this guy on YouTube that basically, mm -hmm. uh, apparently, I don't know his whole history, but he had like a major knee, knee uh, injury and okay. he had to come out of that. He had to come back out of that to be able to do the physical things that he does now. So like, uh, you know, he like dunks a basketball and is able to do all these crazy things coming from like, you know, like a major knee surgery, right? So that's that's kind of like what he puts out. And I started like looking into him. Also, like uh, a couple of uh, my friends are into that. So they've been giving me tips on on like, because before I was like a heavy lifter and it wasn't mm -hmm. really much about mobility. I just thought like if I had the muscle to be strong, then I wouldn't get injured. But now it's also about like uh, working on like the muscles that you didn't even know were there, you know? So now I work like my calves, my tibialis, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is like, your, you know, like the muscles, I guess, like in front of your shin, that's uh, your tib. So, and uh, I'm working on my feet. I actually got a book called Fixing Your Feet just a few days ago. And uh, because of my plantar fasciitis, I wanted to like finally get rid of it once and for all. And I'm just like, you know, like I'll obsess over you, like YouTube videos and kind of like figuring out like, what is this specific thing that I do have? And what is, what is the common thing that everybody's saying about it? You know what I mean? Um, so like little body exercise like that, like um, when I'm talking about feet, there's these exercises where you basically just flex your arch okay. or you can press down hard onto the floor and uh, you're you're pressing down hard on the floor and giving it like resistance and stuff like that those yeah. are like the things i've been working on and i'm very actually lucky that a lot of my dance is very uh you know below the waist based mm -hmm. because like you know i don't really deal with shoulder injuries <laughs> you know what i mean like b-boys do and um, so a lot of my stuff, I could just focus on like, like legs these days. And that's enough for me. And also like uh, the lower back, because there's a lot of like when you do spins, 
you want to make sure that that is like you're able to move your lower back and have it stay flexible and stay strong so that you don't hurt your core. Um, yes. Things like that. But I'm glad to say that my knees have never felt better. They, they're in great shape. <laughs> my knees are in great shape. Uh, my feet I'm working on. But um, what's that? Actually, um, uh, just like a month and a half ago, I, I had an Achilles injury and it's because I started teaching again weekly and I just went like really hard one day and my Achilles was like, you know, I didn't rupture it or anything, but it was really stiff for a whole week afterwards. And after that, I realized like, why is it like this? So I went, I went to the books again, found out that, oh, I haven't been working on my calves, you know, like I let my calves get weak. So, you know, like having that information, I went to work. I rehabbed myself within like two weeks. Within two weeks, like my calves, my tibialis, they were like stronger than they, they've ever been. And then my Achilles injury is like gone. The last time I had a, the same Achilles injury, I couldn't get out of it for six months. I couldn't walk for six months in 2019 because of the Achilles injury. Now I got out of it within a month and a half, stronger than ever, you know? And yeah. Yeah, it's things like that. It's because, like, um, you know, when it's kind of like you, you're, you can't always rely on like a physical therapist to like tell you what to do. You have to be self motivated to keep going, you know? You, 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 it has to be like part of the thing that you want to do if you want to be able to like, stay in it for life you know you have yeah. to be self-motivated to to become strong i'm glad that you're talking about all these different injuries and how you've recuperated from them we just launched our marathons and triathlons episode prior to yours and and so especially for folks that do a lot of running they probably experience a lot of the similar um injuries yes. like yes, knee problems i know achilles injury is like common amongst dancers and and probably even some of the foot injuries that you mentioned so it's really important and i think helpful for folks to kind of hear what are ways that you can recuperate from these injuries in the absence of a physical therapist and what are some tools that people can utilize if they do experience similar energy uh injuries mm -hmm. yeah 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 it's um I'm actually really excited whenever um, I get excited when I come across an injury that I know I can overcome because I know that uh, when I get that injury, that once I overcome it, I'm not going to let it easily happen to me again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. Kind of like it's, it's something that I overlooked before and then now I'm keeping an eye on it, you know? Yeah. Totally. And in knees is important. A lot of people have knee problems, especially as they age, right? Yeah, uh, with with walking, so that's that's an important um, one to figure out how to continue to strengthen. Um, what about? Mm -hmm. I really want to explore Jardy because I've also heard a lot of people say that dance is their therapy, right? And that they don't yeah. maybe need, they don't maybe feel like they need talk therapy because when they go to the club and and dance. For example, to like house music, it heals them. Mm -hmm. So 
I, I actually want to explore that component with you. I mean, we've talked about physical wellness just now, but how how do you also see has house dance served its you know that purpose for you in regards to helping you also get through some challenging times? Definitely, definitely it has. I think if I didn't have dance, I wouldn't be as uh, physically and mentally well as I am today because house, like just dance in general is uh, is a release and something that you can do for free. <laughs> you know, you don't need money to dance. And if you really love dance, it's just, um, it's just a great way to like let out whatever is bottled up, you know? Um, with that said, though, I have also uh, done uh, regular therapy, like where I go to a therapist, and that mm -hmm. has helped a lot with learning about myself. I think it all, I think it, I think it all goes together. Like you need it all. Now, I know not everybody can like afford therapy. Like therapy is a is a luxury in this country, you know. So, um, with that said, if you couldn't, if I couldn't have that house dance would pretty much be my go-to because house dance lets me connect with people. And I think a lot of our problems these days, and this is just my opinion, is due to the isolation that, uh, comes with not being able to connect with people. And mm -hmm. I think house dance is one of those dances that it's just natural for you to connect. Actually, it's encouraged that you connect with other people when you're a house dancer. It's not like you're a b-boy where you're battling, but even b-boys connect with each other, you know? A lot of dancers, like a lot of dances that um, are not known about connection, it really is though. But house dance, it's like really about connection. So it kind of like, it is the dance if you want to really connect, you know? In my opinion, yeah. that's, that's my opinion. <laughs> Right, right. Now let's talk more about your trajectory as a house instructor, as a house dancer. What are your personal and professional goals when it comes to your your own house dance journey? Where would you like to take it next? You know, I'm one of those people that just likes to go with the flow. So I have literally gotten to where I am by just going with the flow that was kind of like that that was given to me, <laughs> you know? Like, um, and I attribute it to a lot to, uh, to the people around me. So many people have helped me get to where I am today. And it's just kind of like, it was just very lucky that I was in their presence at the time to help me, you know, for, or to, for us to mutually help each other to, to rise above it all, you know? So I have never been really a planner. Everything that I have planned, it's because somebody has motivated me to do it. From my student Aaron to my partner Mylin, they've helped me, and they're they're more like planners, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, they they help me get to where I am today because of their, uh, you know, they're just they're just much better at it than I am, you know. So I can't do everything myself. I can do a lot by myself. Like I actually do all my camera work, all my editing, and of course all my talking and writing scripts and the teaching that I do. But I can't, I, I can't cover all the bases and, 
And for all those other things, it's the people that have supported me that help ha that have helped me with that. And with that said, I don't know what the future holds. It's just who am I going to meet next? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's going to be like, uh, like that's going to uh, be able to help me with like a new thing that could come out in the future. Well, within the world of house dancing, are there other dancers out there that inspire you or that have, have played a key role in your development as a house dancer that you like to shout out? I know you mentioned that you had um, teachers and mentors. Some of them you actually mentioned, like um, Abdul from Philly. And yeah. uh, you mentioned Cricket um, mm -hmm. and Ijo. Yeah. Um, so um, who are the the teachers or other dancers out there that have okay. influenced your journey and mm -hmm. where are they located and why okay actually wrote this down because this is one of those things that i don't want to you know i tend to freestyle so many things in my life this is not one of those things because it's a lot of names <laughs> so here are the list of people probably even in order that have helped me throughout the years and these are uh i'd like to first start out that every single one of uh, every single one of the people I learned from, my mentors are all they're all black, and and it's because I've always looked at uh, hip hop and house dance as black dances, and um, so for me, I really wanted to learn from the source, and I'm very grateful that these uh, these you know, black artists were there for me and passed this art form down to me, you know? But uh, Abdul, of course, uh, Abdul, Cricket, Brooklyn Terry. Brooklyn Terry is like, dude, he is like my idol. <laughs> that guy, uh, like, has inspired me. I haven't mentioned him all podcasts, but he, his style is really what inspired me to, to pursue house dance. When I first saw him dance, I was like, Dude, I want to do that, like for real, you know. Like that's he's he's currently based in Japan. Uh, he actually just recently moved to uh moved back to New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. So folks want to find him. Past two weeks, yeah, he's back. They can in New find York. him in New York. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I actually met up with him in Japan to do a couple a couple of collaboration videos. He's just such a such a great person. He's like, you know, just so cool. <laughs> uh. Uh, Buddha Stretch, uh, Shikan, uh, also known as Conway. Um, we were, you know, uh, me, him, and Cricket, we all were in Soul Sector at one point, and he helped me with, um, like, figure out a lot of, like, footwork stuff that uh, I wanted to figure out, and he's just a really dope footworker. Um, of course, Ejo. Ejo in... Uh, in addition to Abdul, have helped me like move smoothly uh, in my dance, you know. And it's yeah. kinda like it's kind of like my main thing now is flow and smoothness. And you know, I have Ejo and Abdul to. Joe, do you feel free to also share where they're located in case other um, people want? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So well, going back, I think yeah. Abdul is from uh, Abdul is currently living in Oakland, but okay. he, I don't see him dance anymore. Uh, okay. but uh, he but he he is a tall ass guy and I know what the body can do to 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 uh tall you know to tall individuals so cricket uh used to live in New York 
used to be from Philly before that, but now he lives in LA. So for for all you SoCal dancers, I really recommend Cricket because he has so much information that you're not going to find anywhere else. And I'm not, you know, like, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, you know, <laughs> like, like, he really, he's a dictionary and he's a great source for information. Uh, Brooklyn Terry in New York, uh, Buddha Stretch, um, Buddha Stretch is everywhere, but uh, he, he, he's from New York but he just travels the world doing, doing what he does, you know. Uh, Shikan is uh, also from the East Coast. Now, I don't know exactly what city. It could be New York. I think it could be Connecticut. I'm not exactly sure right now, but he's a family man, so you're not going to catch him a lot. But he does DJ, so look out for him. Just look out for Conway, dope DJ. Um, Ejo, he's uh, New York also. Uh, Khalif, also New York. Shah, which way Shah is? I believe he's still in New York. Um, I haven't I haven't seen him around lately, um, especially after like COVID hit. I just haven't seen a lot of these dancers. I know they're still around, but things have changed a lot since then. Uh, Shaness, Shaness is also from New York, uh, but he travels around. Um, his other home base is Hong Kong, I believe, but I believe he's in New York, he's in New York right now. Brian Green, uh, Brian Green, we all know Brian Green. Uh, he, he currently lives in Texas or Atlanta, no, Atlanta. No, either Atlanta or Houston. Okay. I'm not exactly sure right now, but he's there and he's a great source for all you Southerners. Yeah. If you ever catch him, you know, I, but I believe he retired from teaching, but not sure. You never know. Um, Marjorie, uh, Marjorie, rest in peace. Marjorie is like a super big influence on me. And um, it's sad that we, we lost her like really, really too early. Um, Sekou, uh, Sekou is also from New York. He's an excellent teacher. Uh, Tony McGregor, uh, Sekou and Tony McGregor are both in uh, Dance Fusion and What's that? Um, those two, I really, I really love their style and how they go to the ground. So for anybody who uh, likes to do floor work uh, but are looking for like stuff that's really intense, like those two, I totally recommend. And uh, I'd like to also mention Tracy Bartlow. Uh, Tracy Bartlow is from Oakland, and she actually taught me how to Lindy Hop and Charleston. And uh, she took me in and let me perform with her um, during um, a Malcolm X festival. I believe it was a Malcolm X festival. Um, but yeah, uh, she taught me Lindy Hop in Charleston. And those two dances, I think, are so good. Those, like, Lindy Hop is like my favorite partner, partner dance. I wish I could be doing it more. But I just like, it's because I love jazz, you know? Jazz is like my favorite music genre. So... Uh, and aside from that, an honorable uh, honorable mention is uh, Meech from France. Now I'm not gonna lie, okay, because I could have I could have probably like left Meech out because like I never took any lessons from him, but he was like a big influence on my style like in the early 2000s because that's when he was like getting popular, and I think like 
I think his style was just really awesome, like during that time, and he influenced my style in like several ways during that time. So those are people that have all that have all like had um, kind of like an effect on on me when it comes to this dance. Sorry that it took so long, by the way, but I wanted to give everybody everybody their you know uh, their props. Yeah, no, no worries. And Mitch is in Paris, right, Jordy? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know he's in France, but Paris, I'm pretty sure he's in Paris right now. Sweet. Now, for a community, are there dance practices um, that you'd like to mention um, in different regions for individuals that would like a starting point or some external motivation? Just especially because we know that we have, like, people, you know, tuning in from all over. Uh, I had just given some recommendations to somebody for Bay Area, uh, for Bay Area dance sessions. And right now, the Bay Area is uh, really, really hot when it comes to house dance. Like, there are so many people that want to learn over there or are doing it already. And um, so we got sessions in the Bay Area on Mondays right now. We have uh, Rebirth, which is in Dance Mission. And then there's this uh, there's this new session that's happening in Oakland next to Alameda uh, called Flow Sesh, and that is in a um, like a studio called Flow House. And then also um, in Oakland on Fridays there's an outdoor session, and uh, also my homie Rama teaches there uh, weekly but it's followed by a session and uh, just plain old good music. It's outdoors in Lake Merritt, and that's called Days Like This in Oakland on Fridays. So those three things are happening, and like every third Friday, uh, we got Elements in Oakland, and that's uh, by Patrick Wilson and Nina Soul. That's great house music, so you can rely on that for like your, your house fix. But we also like just kind of have random like house things here and there, um, that people meet up at and like dance. It's like really popular in the Bay Area right now. I'm kind of really surprised, you know? Also Simmer Room. Oh yeah, Simmer Room, <laughs> my God. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Cody. Simmer Room <laughs> is also a thing. I, you know, the thing is, I feel like Simmer Room is like, I've, I've never gone, I've been wanting to go. CoFlow is, Koflo is a homie of mine and uh, was set, but I have always felt like Simmer Room was more like a private session, you know what I mean? Like where you have to be invited to to get in it. I, of course, I've been invited, <laughs> but <laughs> I just haven't gone. I live so far, you know what I mean? And Simmer Room didn't come around until like post-COVID, you know what I mean? So, so like for me to get over there, I'd have to take the journey. But Simmer Room is also dope. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Wednesdays, um, and that's in Fremont for for those who yeah. are better. Yeah, I believe that's in uh, Cody and Amy's house. So they, <laughs> they run it out of their own house. Yeah. So. All right. <clears throat> Before we close, we always like to ask um, our guests if you have other wellness practices that you'd like to share. So, what do you do for self care that I might not have mentioned um, that others might find inspirational? Um, I know Jardy talked about meditation mm -hmm. that's a big one for you uh feel free to talk about that further or 
maybe bring up something that you you haven't mentioned so far? Um, well, you know, I'd like to get into more about the meditation. I got into meditation actually when I was in a when I was in a dark, you know, when I was in a dark spot back in like uh, late 2015 or early 2016. And it was just a place where I felt like I, I couldn't get out of for a while. So I started meditating, uh, you know, daily, twice a day for about 20 minutes. And the type of meditation I did, it was just like, literally, it was just sit there, be present, take everything out of your mind, whatever comes in, don't work too hard to try to get it out, but just let it pass through and just breathe, you know? And that helped me so much. I did it for like 90 days straight. And by the end of those 90 days, I was able to like wipe my mind immediately. As soon as I closed my eyes, everything would disappear. So for those people who are overthinkers, like uh, overthinkers or people like with a lot of, a lot of anxiety, you might want to give that a try. At first, it's going to be super difficult. But if you keep going with it and you just stay consistent, magic will happen. Like <laughs> I've had some magical things happen during meditation. Like I've had one in uh, like in Nepal during the trek. I meditated like near a waterfall and like I just had like a euphoric moment. One time in Tahoe like tears started running down my eyes while I was meditating and I didn't know why I'm not even that emotional <laughs> you know what I mean when it comes to when it, you know when it comes to like showing like outward emotion like that but like it just happened there's like meditation is uh can be a magical thing if you stay consistent with it and then you do it with intention um but other than that uh, you know I think one thing you could do is to always just listen to your body Pay attention to um, pay attention to like what you feel and always educate yourself on what you could be doing to stop things from getting worse if you're feeling something wrong with your body. You know, um, I've been very fortunate to have a body that still works at 45. And so that whenever I do feel something wrong, it's immediately there, you know. Like, I'm sure there are a lot of 45-year-olds where chronic pain and chronic whatever is already part of their lives. Like, if you can you can still reverse that up to a point, you know, it, it, depending on what you have, of course. But it's good to always just look out after yourself. Like, really have some, it's really like self-care. Like, look into it and educate yourself. And I don't mean educate yourself as in don't listen to like experts out there. What I mean is like look at every option you have and experiment as long as like stretching is not going to hurt you. You know what I mean? Like experiment with that, you know, like stretching, like different types of like uh, movements is not going to hurt you. Like look into those and try them out and see if they work for you. And then nutrition is also a part of your regiment, right? So, oh, yeah. what is what is that? Um, look, what's your regiment, nutritional regiment? Well, you know what, nutrition, uh, I'm gonna say, is one of those things that I am highly inconsistent with, and uh, it's usually one of those things where I go like I pig out for months at a time, and then I take the time to like lose the weight that I've gained for the next few months after that. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's kind of like uh, how actors in Hollywood 
um, like before a role, they get into mm-hmm. character. That's often how I do it. Like, okay, yeah. Um, I'm getting like my my knees are starting to feel that I've gained ten pounds. I need to lose that, you know. But um, you know, I'm very militaristic when it comes to nutrition. So when when it comes to like, I often just try to eat like you know, like not unprocessed foods. Try to not have too much sugars throughout the day. L- very much limit my caffeine. I only drink tea and stuff like that. I don't drink alcohol anymore, um, unless it's like a special occasion. But it's not something I do like to party all the time. Um, yeah, just keeping the so-called bad stuff uh, out of your body, you know. And what the bad stuff is, you know, it really is up to you. Meaning, like, you know, if you're vegan. Obviously, you wouldn't want, you know, like me and your body. So, you know, if you if you're into that, like if or if you're not into that, like figure out what you would want to do. Like, you know, it's it's one of those. It's a learning process. You know, you don't just figure it out in a day. It's one of those things where you kind of have to slowly figure out your your preferences and uh, preferences and then eventually learn through time and stuff like that. But um hey. Yeah, I actually wanted to continue on your question, and then I forgot what your original question was. So, nutritional regimen. Oh yeah, uh, you did answer yeah. it. Yeah, sure. okay, okay. That 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 pretty much does that. I know you yeah. hydrate uh, also a lot. Oh yeah, I do hydrate a lot, and that's because like I found out that the couple of times when. I woke up in the morning think uh, like not being able to walk. It was probably due to gout. <laughs> and gout is prevalent among Asians. Uh, I've had it twice in my life, and it's very painful. And it's also left me with some kind of like permanent pain, uh, like it in my right big toe. So now, I, like I found out that being dehydrated is one of the, you know, like... Um, you know, one of the things that could give you gout. So now I stay. There are a lot of reasons to stay hydrated. That's just an extra one that I added to it. That was like, okay, you know what? I don't want that again. <laughs> so yeah. stay hydrated. Everyone take a sip of water with that one. <laughs> <laughs> As we begin to close, Shardy, um, how can our community find you if they have additional questions? How can they find you if they want to take your classes either in person or online? Uh, currently, um, I teach in Sacramento and the class I am teaching currently is at Artful Eyes Studios. Uh, Artful Eyes Studios is a very, um, very small studio at the moment. Uh, so I can only fit about eight people per class in my classes. So I don't really, I don't really go all out with advertising that cause I, I usually do get enough people in the class, right? That's the only class I'm teaching right now at the moment because I focus so much on my online course. So other than that, you can find my online course at housedance.com, but that's house-dance, like house-dance.com, not just straight house dance, okay? So house-dance.com. You could also email me at jardisantiago at gmail.com. That's J-A-R-D-Y-S-A-N-T-I-A-G-O at gmail.com if you want to reach me directly 
And you could find me in a whole bunch of other platforms under Jardi, at Jardi Santiago, including like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, things like that. I also have a lot of free tutorials on YouTube if you ever want to get into house dance. Sweet. Thank you so much, Jardi, for talking to our community about house oh, dancing yeah. and health. You're We're welcome. So honored. We're so honored uh, to have Aww. featured you really on our podcast. Really happy for to be here. <laughs> oh, we are too. And um, definitely for our community to learn more about the world of house music and dance. We're excited to witness how your journey continues to unfold. Um, at the age of 45, <laughs> happy belated yeah. birthday. Thank you. And uh, we're here to support you as your Philippine Exxon Wellness family moving forward. Thank you so much. You're welcome. As we close, we'd like to acknowledge once again our guest speaker, Jardi Santiago, our social media strategist, Kathleen Torrio, our graphic designer and beat maker for our opening and closing track, Richie, Jojo Flores, reigning from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, for a consent to use your edit of Bodhisattva's track, The Depth of the Source, featuring Yuba, that you heard a snippet of during our, during our break. Our advisors, Alison De La Cruz, Rianda Los Reyes, and Safo Tialogo. Tialogo. Our community partners with Filipino American Life, SoCal Filipinos, and Trek Table, and all of our community members for your shares and support. As always, we'll share more about our guest speakers' offerings on our Instagram stories and highlights for permanent access with any of their upcoming events. Be sure to follow us at Philippine X in Wellness on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and on Twitter at Philippine X, the letter N, well, followed by the letters N and S. Don't forget to continue to hit the subscribe button on our Philippine X in Wellness YouTube channel. Thank you always for believing in us. Be well, everyone. Continue to take care of yourselves and each other. Durugid ng nasalamat. Thank you.